Welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Gada, we first spoke about altruism and moral standards in episode three, and and we discussed what it means. But I really wanted to explore the real world implications. What's your view on this? How can we recognize it in our everyday lives? At the core of new charismatic leadership and the work new charismatic leaders do, you can almost call it ethical leadership. And in fact, that is how Mendonca and Kanongo, the original researchers who were the first to come up with the term and publish it, called it in their beautiful book, Ethical Leadership, which was published in 2007. Previous to that, it was called Charismatic Leadership by Kanongo and Conger, another researcher, in their book that was published in 1989. They even came up with the Kanger and Kanungo scale, which measures the new charismatic leadership behavioral roles. Uh, but at that time, they only had five behavioral roles that they thought stood out in their continental research in large organizations. Later in 2007, ethical leadership focuses on how the new charismatic leadership theory is very relevant to our world and what we need. And they called it ethical leadership, as I said. So the core of the research is strong, but not yet brought out into everyday's world or reality. If we want to look at ethical leadership, the meaning of ethics, the history of ethical uh, research towards philosophy, but if we take that into leadership, we are talking about what's right and what's wrong and the moral behaviors of leaders and decisions that are taken into consideration and its implication on the environment, on human rights, diversity and inclusion. There is a lot of implications right now as we speak with all these contemporary issues going around us in politics, in medicine, social uh, context. Ethical leadership is a very big uh, word, but if you mixed it with new charismatic leadership, it becomes obvious that every leader's behavior will lead into these areas, which can be gray, white, black, <laughs> you name it. You know. I, I see. So what I find amazing is at the core of this research uh, and has been for some time today, because you're talking about books that have been published uh, 13 or 14 years ago, um, and probably written even a little bit before that. But, you know, when it must be hard to recognize even in today's everyday conversation. For example, when you look at the many blog posts and, uh, you know, all of the material that you can read online, for example, which is always supposed to be up to the minute, and they talk about leadership, they talk about techniques and attributes almost entirely, but they rarely touch on altruism and morality. So it's as if leaders do not have to worry about altruism or morals, and they'll still be fine. Um, do you feel the research on neocharismatic leadership then is still emerging and a new type of leadership expectation is yet to emerge in everyday conversation? Absolutely. 
Let me continue with the thoughts of the emerging research and let our listeners decide if a new type of leadership is coming. Let me explain why I'm trying to get it out of the shadows and into our daily lives. You're right. Uh, the research on new charismatic leadership specifically has not been very popular uh, or populated properly into our practical uh, lives uh, in organizations and also uh, in social context. Some researchers are still stuck with the idea of charismatic leadership and the idea of that new charismatic leadership is part of charismatic leadership and they still can't see how different both of them are. This is number one. And number two, it is just lack of application. And my duty as a researcher in that field is to bring it out. And this is what I have done. Uh, I've brought it out into a book uh, practically um, through coaching, and I brought it into my practice. And we're speaking about it now in a podcast. Many authors uh, who write uh, on leadership, they write from practical experiences and stories of their uh, application in organizations, and they lack the research academic part, which is important. The generation Y and Z, they're not like us. They think about uh, things in terms of evidence. What's your proof? Why you're saying this? And you hear it, you know, with young people. They always ask you that question. So why do you think this is happening? What's your proof? Uh, and they challenge you on small decisions that you take. So why don't you get an electric car? What's wrong with that? It's an investment for life. You know, they, they do challenge you on environmental stuff. They do challenge you on your behavior. Mm -hmm. And why yes, did you say that? They so they have a very uh, defined approach to what's wrong and what's right. If we don't correct our leadership on how we lead these conversations and how we lead these social um, interactions and in organizations, they think that we're wrong and they're right. And this will cause further separation between the two generations. We are doing a lot of gray areas in how we lead. Yes. From our own experience, we didn't have guidelines previously. So we ventured into gray areas and we justified it because it's profit, because it's culturally accepted. Now it's more defined what's right and what's wrong. And it's not acceptable anymore to seek excuses. Yes. We are looking at a new approach to leadership that is transparent, honest, ethical, altruistic, bears in mind equity, fairness, equality, democracy, all these uh, concepts and, and moral ideas that has to be integrated into that leadership approach. Okay, yes. Yeah. So um, it appears that altruism and morality rarely pop up in mainstream discussion of leaders. And what you're suggesting is that we, we've got to grab hold of that and we've really got to change the narrative. Um, it, it does suggest then that when we think of leadership, or I say we, what is published most often uh, is referring to leadership, it's still focusing on leadership in a corporate and organizational context. The problem I see with that, of course, is that's not going to get us by with all the cha challenges that we have in the current world. Yeah. So how do, how do we start to change this? I mean, you know, I remember being told once upon a time that, you know, if you're, uh, and particularly for male leaders, um, 
you know, the, I was told, well, you know, once you're a leader, uh, you know, there are, you can break all kinds of, of rules, uh, moral rules and things like that, because, you know, people think that you're leading them in the right direction. So they're willing to overlook certain indiscretions, shall we say. Yeah. Um, whereas today I am pleased to say um, that the younger generation does not want to do that. No, um, there's no more you know, An indiscretion. Yeah, no, yeah. an indiscretion is an indiscretion. And, you know, it, the interesting thing is it may actually be totally irrelevant to the mission at hand. Yeah. You know, whatever happened may have been in the person's private life. Okay. But if they're willing to work like that in their private life, then what assurance do I have as a follower yeah. that they're not willing to do something similar in, in their um, sort of more formal life? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's where the, the narrative around leadership really needs to go now. Um, and, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about uh, some of these tough areas that, uh, yes. that we're going to have to get into? Yes, it is. It is important. As I said, the narrative around leadership was about success and profit and just making your sales and profit, sales and profit. And, and really the new generation is more about peace, equality, fairness, and we need to change the narratives to win them over. We don't want them distorted. They have a fresh perspective on life and how it works. Mm -hmm. The new charismatic leadership model really fits the prescription. Yes. It does both. It does consider altruism, morality, and it considers uh, in the same time the need to perform. Yes. I'm not saying the need to profit. The quick way of, of let's do this so that we can get this. We can't shortcut human development. Right. You know, I think back no. to when I was a youngster, you know, before I was even in business, for example. So let's say in my university years, and I thought at the time that I was quite radical, not as radical as some of my friends. I mean, they were, they were sort of really out there. Um, but when I look at all of us now, I say, what happened to that willingness to question and that willingness to say no, that was quite rampant in, in us all those years ago? What has happened to us as a generation that we, that we now don't really follow the same um, uh, feelings and pathways that we did back then. And yet what we're saying here is our younger generation today, you know, is, is more likely to not let that go. Um, I, I hope so. If, if that's truly what's happening here, then this is a fundamental shift in the understanding of leadership and what an individual person can do to make the world better. And so, you know, what we're talking about here is something that is possibly an existential issue for those people that actually want the world to continue and to continue in a good yeah. way. It's about challenging the status quo. One of the leadership uh, roles, the new charismatic leadership roles is challenging the status quo, not, not accepting the status quo, which what does the transformation in any situation? And this is a, an authentic uh, look at what is wrong with the status quo. What can I do to make it better? And it's not just working because, you know, I have to work, I have to earn the money and just going in and out. It's about doing something to better this place oh, okay. and to better the lives of others. Okay, Gada. So 
let's assume I'm I'm a younger person and I'm listening, which is for me is almost everybody, um, you know, and I'm listening to this podcast. What are the questions that I should be asking myself so that I know whether I'm actually in tune to this altruism and, um, you know, the moral aspect of leadership? I think the most important question to ask yourself is, does it feel right? Does it sit in well? Does it serve the greater good? Is it something that will help all sort of lives around me, including plants and animals? Does it help everyone live in peace and, and synchrony and harmony? I think this is the, the most important question to ask yourself is, is to, to look, look inside you and, and see how does it feel before you you know, when you want to make a decision, it does it feel right? Are you are you listening to your inner thoughts? Again, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, so if I'm thinking about this um, and what's right for me may very well not be what's right for others, you know, so, so how do I determine between a black and ro- white, if you like, a right and a wrong versus all of the shades of gray that are in the middle? You know, it, it, what level of grayness, if you like, is acceptable and not? I think that's going to be individual for, for each person, isn't it? Yeah. So we cannot really escape social programming. There is common values and uh, morals in the world that all nations and everyone agrees upon. Uh, it's just part of who we are as humans. They kick in when a decision is about to be made or an action is about to be taken. We cannot ignore that fact. It's important for a young person, a young leader to reflect. How do they practice that moral behavior? Into How do we integrate it into their own leadership path mm. for their own good? And is first of all, is it something they really feel that it's part of them? Or is it something imposed on them? Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to go back to convictions and, and values here because no matter how much you try to escape, you're still a moral being yes. in the core. Yeah. So you get distorted mm-hmm. by social programming. But if you sit with yourself in a moment of truth, it just comes, it just explodes, surfaces. It's instinctual. Mm-hmm. But even animals behave in specific ways mm-hmm. that does not harm the environment. Does So why are we humans questioning our ability to find the right and the truth? We are able to do that. Yes. But we need to be aware. Clear, clarity, a moment of clarity. And it comes. Okay, so... I trust you. I trust yes. every young person that comes and talks to me as a coach that they're able to navigate what's right and what's wrong. I don't have to tell them. No, that and that's good. I mean, I find that in coaching too. In, in many cases, I'm really just sort of lighting a fire under the fuel that's already there. Yeah. Um, I'm not really not really improving the individual and sort of building their confidence. But so so let's say they get that bit right. Okay, they're comfortable with themselves. They know what the limits are on the shades of gray. Um, and you know, what to them is a black and white, but what happens if they start out right and then they fall prey to, uh, you know, some kind of a temptation, uh, you know, it sounds a terrible word, but you know, it's, it's just simply something that drags you away from the intent 
that you had what goes what you know what's gone wrong here how should somebody respond to that when hopefully they recognize that they that they are um, going down that direction so sadly we cannot prevent all these challenges happening to a young leader i think this is what makes them into strong leaders uh, if they continue with the prerequisites of self-awareness, empathy, and ability to, you know, see a noble goal and a vision, this will be their torch towards their leadership in the future. People who are uh, falling prey have fallen prey already <laughs> to a specific direction that does not sit well with them, but they don't want to face the truth. They keep going and going and going. There is a moment of waking up. Something will happen in their lives that will wake them up. And I believe that um, a very big helpful part uh, of your uh, leadership development is coaching. You cannot, yes. you cannot go away from that. It's, it's the one proving method that if you find the right coach, of course, uh, a skilled coach, the one proving method that will enlighten inside you and will help you recognize which path to take as a leader, which decision to make. Specifically, when you face these uh, shades of gray, you really need a good leadership coach that will help help you navigate these waters. Yeah, yes, I, I agree with my uh, uh, my experiences that um, you d- you do need to make sure the the individuals are open to coaching, particularly at the time of doubt and when they might be facing something that went wrong, uh, perhaps even more important than when things are going right. So some really deep questions here uh, and some thoughts that are perhaps tough to hear for some of our listeners um, and even for ourselves. Mm. So next week, we're going to change the pace a bit and we're going to go into the behavioral roles of neo-charismatic leadership. I hope then we can begin to explore the model uh, from your book and show listeners how to apply it in reality. Yes, and we will always, uh, in every behavioral role, speak about the ethical implications of that role uh, on their lives and on the lives of their organizations and the people they interact with. Thank you very much, Martin. And Thank you, Gada. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Gada and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.